the more we maybe uh, resent the role or resent ourselves and think that we're not cut out for motherhood because clearly, look, I can't do it the way that, that I thought I should. When really what needs adjusting is our expectations. We had no idea what a day in the role really looked like. And now that we do, how can we reevaluate those for ourselves, right? Hi, this is Danae. I'm the founder of Simple Families. Simple Families is an online community for parents who are seeking a simpler, more intentional life. In this show, we focus on minimalism with kids, positive parenting, family wellness, and decreasing the mental load. My perspectives are based in my firsthand experience raising kids, but also rooted in my PhD in child development. So you're going to hear conversations that are based in research, but more importantly, real life. Thanks for joining us. Hi there. That voice you heard in the intro is Erica Jossa. Some of you know her from her Instagram handle, Happy as a Mother, which has recently transitioned to MomWell. Erica is well known for making these square infographics that so well capture the overwhelm of motherhood. I was recently a guest on Erica's podcast, which is called MomWell. I'll leave the link in the show notes so you can tune in if you're interested. Erica is a mom and a therapist, and what we have in common is that we both spend a lot of time thinking and talking about maternal overwhelm. In our chat today, we're talking a lot about expectations and idealizations that we have for ourselves, and also about building community in this post-pandemic world. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this chat with Erica. Hi, Erica. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm glad to have you here. I have long appreciated the work that you have done around the mental load and supporting women. Thank you. And likewise, the the mission is shared and you do it. So I don't know, our perspectives, we have the same goal and we work in parallel just from a little bit of a different angle. It's very interesting and, and I appreciate the work you do. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about you and how you got started. Yeah. Well, I started uh, as a general therapist, you know, working in a children and family practice, not on social media. I feel like it was very like frowned upon at the time and uh, within the industry. Therapists are meant to be blank slates that don't talk about themselves and don't reveal things about themselves online. So at that time, I was working in a private practice and then I had three boys back to back in the span of three and a half years. And I went through my own postpartum depression and anxiety as a result of just being thrown into the deep end of motherhood, I feel like. And, and I learned that maternal mental health was a specialty during that time. As a therapist, I was pretty blindsided by the experience. I know the tools. These are the things I do for a living. And then also, how did I not know that maternal mental health was a thing in the 10 years in, in practice and the seven years of school? Never once was it brought up. So then I took to Instagram and social media to spread awareness like, hey, there is a potential iceberg ahead and here's how we can prepare for it. And uh, it just garnered a lot of attention, especially as we hit the pandemic, moms were struggling. And so from there, really Happy as a Mother was born as the platform and the podcast, and it has evolved into MomWell, which is a virtual platform that serves moms like self-paced educational information, therapy in Canada and the U.S. now, and 
yeah, just an all around platform to support, support moms. Yeah. It sounds very busy. It is a wild ride. It is a wild ride. Yes. But it's kind of like, I also wouldn't have it any other way. So uh, going through launch and the rebrand recently, though, has been a big project and happy to be on the other side of that and have this new baby out into the world. So yeah, exciting, exciting stuff. How old are your kids? All right. So my oldest is seven and my middle one is just about to turn six. And then my youngest is four. So now my youngest is in school. They start kindergarten here in Toronto area. Um, it's called junior kindergarten. They start it when they're four. And I'm like officially in a different stage of motherhood now. It's a different yeah. different beast now. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So being a mom working in this space, do you feel more pressure to stay calm and always hold it together with your kids? Yes and no. I feel like I've come a long way um, in my ability to be compassionate with myself when I first started out. And I think that one of the things that contributed to my, I call it like breakdown slash breakthrough when I finally realized I had postpartum depression and sought, you know, the steps for, for help from there. I think that one of the contributing factors was perfectionism and feeling like I have to do everything the right way and show up a particular way. So when I, when that kind of broke open and I just sort of accepted that I I can never be this idealized, perfect parent that I have in my mind, um, I learned to have some grace for myself and, and some colleagues and I kind of joke that we've got like our our positive or respectful parenting books sitting on the nightstand as we're like trying to hurry our kids through bedtime routine, <laughs> feeling like so frustrated. They're just like staring right. at us from the corner because, uh, you know, we're human and we will have right. experiences like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just this morning, I was sitting with my daughter while she was eating her breakfast. My son goes off to school a little earlier than her. And um, she was sitting there and she just looked up at me randomly and said, you know, mom, you're really bad at being perfect. <laughs> and I was just Thank like, well, um, thanks because I'm not trying to be. So I guess that's a compliment, kind of like a backhanded compliment. Right. But I, so I've been reflecting on it all morning because it's like, you're really bad at being perfect. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what I want to teach you is that I'm not perfect and I'm not good at, you know, doing preparing you the perfect breakfast. She was eating a cheese stick. So, mm. you know, how do I share some of that transparency because I think that being in this space, others out in the world, sort of being on the listening end, especially with a podcast, will often think, you know, that I've got it all together or I'm doing all these things well all the time. And then they make that their goal too. And it's funny how, I don't know if you've seen this, but other people will kind of project that on you, even if you feel like you're not projecting that. Mm -hmm. Um, But have you experienced that at all? Yeah. Or another common one I hear is like, well, you must come from an upbringing where, you know, X, Y, Z was present or you had a loving home or were given these skills. And, and actually I feel like, um, I, well, I come from a high conflict divorce and a very rocky and sometimes traumatic upbringing, which I actually think 
is what gave me the grit to want to be resilient and to want to do things differently. And Mm -hmm. it has been a lot of work to unlearn and, and to get to the place that I'm at now. Uh, And I think that all too often we will compare somebody's like, I don't know, closing chapter to our beginning, you know? And so if I was looking in from a very beginning state of, of unlearning and trying to heal from my upbringing and comparing myself to somebody who's been doing it for a decade. Well, of course there's a gap there, but it's not where I started in my process. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think back to, you know, my early years of parenting and when I had an infant and a toddler and how I was really trying to do it all without childcare, Um, Mm. You know, I was finishing up my PhD, starting a business, and I was trying to do it with like holding one kid in each arm. And I had people saying what a rock star I was. And I think at that time, you know, I saw a lot of women online on social media portraying this image that you can Mm. do it all and you can show the world that you're doing it all. And I think that was harmful for me personally. Did you have that experience when you saw these women online representing their lives in that way? Yeah, I feel like before becoming mothers, we're allowed to be human. We're allowed to struggle. We're allowed to maybe even complain about a hard day. And then when we enter into motherhood, there is this real... um, unspoken social norm that you're you're meant to deal with it. You asked for this, suck it up and handle it kind of mentality. And, and I think that it is, um, so hard because it's unspoken. So then we kind of gaslight ourselves like, oh my gosh, like I should be, I should be able to handle this because look, everybody else Mm -hmm. is handling it. Right. Right it kind of feeds this, this cycle for us. Yeah. And seeing everyone's highlight reels online, I think can be hard for many of us that don't have a perspective that that's what that is. That's not necessarily their everyday life. That is sort of the the family picture where the kids were all bribed to smile and wear those shirts. Right. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. I have an invisible load of family photos. I think it was the most popular post of 2022. And like the sheer and utter chaos that goes into getting this highlight or this picture perfect moment, right? right? And the and the bribing and the all, like all the things, and it's just not an accurate representation. But being in this age of social media and thinking about becoming a mother even before we're there, we build out this ideal role for ourselves this ideal of what our family will look like, what the parent we will be, the family we will be, without any true lived experience of what it really actually means to be a parent. And so the highlight reels feeding this is just like adding to that romanticized idea of what motherhood will look like for us. So when we find ourselves in the role and we have negative emotions, Or we maybe even resent our children some days or we um, just want to crawl back into bed and just not life today, you know. We have a lot of shame and guilt because we feel like we should have this unconditional positive regard towards our children but also 
being a mother. And so I think that it's it's really hard um, for people to open up and talk about that because there's shame that, you know, you, you should enjoy this. You should be satisfied with this role and it should be something that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what so many of us don't realize is how all-encompassing it is. And that even if we do want to hold on to our career and we choose to do that, that that can feel really hard on most days, being able mm. to hold on to your career and hold on to parenthood, um, especially if your idealizations of parenthood are of perfection. You know, mm-hmm. how do you hold on to all of the things? You know, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, I think holding on to those idealizations of a perfect family life and, you know, the kids who never have um, runny noses that are all gooey and <laughs> messy, right? I think yeah. that, that I, you know, that was part of my vision. Like I remember when I, before I was a mom and I would see kids with um, like crusty noses, I'd be like, oh my gosh, my kids are never going to have crusty noses. Right. That is so gross. <laughs> And now I see that like you just can't control the flow. (laughs) Like it just it happens. Um and it and it's part of life and that you gotta let the little things go. And I think that one of the mistakes that we make is not reevaluating these expectations. Okay, we've got these romanticized ideals, we have these expectations, okay. And then I got hit by the wall of motherhood that I was like wildly unprepared for, especially three littles back to back in three and a half years, Um, some of which we would have planned differently but happened that way. And then once we find ourselves in the role and we still – like we're struggling, but we still try to keep the same expectations that we set before Mm -hmm. we ever were in the role – that's where we get this big gap between what we expect and our reality. And the bigger that gap is, the more we struggle, the more dissatisfaction we feel, the more we maybe uh, resent the role or resent ourselves and think that we're not cut out for motherhood because clearly, look, I can't do it the way that, that I thought I should. When really what needs adjusting is our expectations we had no idea what a day in the role really looked like. And now that we do, how can we reevaluate those for ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that that rings so true, those expectation changing, the, those expectations and changing those um, because that's what had to shift for me. I had to expect that my kids were going to have snotty noses sometimes and be okay with that and and be okay with changing my mind, Right. And change mm. and changing those idealized visions that I had for myself and for my family. And, you know, I think that we can't help but idealize what what our kids are going to look like when we're pregnant and or when we're expecting a child in any way. You know, what are they going to look like? What are they going to sound like? What are they going to do when they grow up? And and we create some sort of loose outline for a vision for them. And I think that's just part of the becoming a parent process. But most of the time, maybe all of the time, they completely rock our world and come up with something different and often much better. Yeah. Well, and what you highlighted is it's perfectly normal, I would say, and like human nature to want to carve out some certainty in the uncertainty ahead, to want to try and plan and envision and map it out, bring some structure to it. But 
the challenge is, is whether we rigidly hold on to those and we're locked in them, which is perfectionism. There is mm-hmm. nothing but rigidity in perfectionism, right? Or mm-hmm. flexibility where we can say, oh, this isn't serving me anymore. Let me reevaluate this. Oh, okay, the, the path or the course is changing a little bit. And how can I, you know, fluidly adjust and move with that? So I think that flexibility plays such an important role in our adjustment to motherhood and parenthood because if we rigidly hold on to expectations that we've placed for ourselves or that others, maybe family members have placed for us, then we really get stuck. We really get stuck in our struggle. So much of my two kids, I have one that is a quite rigid thinker and another that's quite a free spirit. Mm. And the rigidness has been such a it's such a difficult thing for me as a parent to really parent this child who's very rigid. And maybe part of it is the fact that it has made me more aware that I tend to be very rigid. Mm. And I think as parents, you know, when we do hold these same expectations and we don't allow ourselves to change our mind and we parent in a way that is very rigid, we think that we're, we're sort of mixing up this idea with, of being rigid and being consistent. Mm. And that part I think can be hard to piece apart. But I think that, you know, as much as we want our kids to be flexible and go with the flow, we have to do that too sometimes. Often. Yeah. Well, and an example of this, I think, in terms of consistency versus like rigidity would be a mapped out time schedule for the day versus a rhythm and routine to the day, Mm -hmm. right? They have the same goal to accomplish the same things in the day, but one is more set to the the flow and the rhythm versus the clock being a fixed window of time. Right. And there's something about that that is hard for some, for sure, but also very freeing because there isn't this constant anticipation and anxiety about when that transition has to happen in the day. It's like when the moment comes or when when that rhythm of one kind of closes and we move into the other and this isn't always the case. I mean, we I have to force three children out the door for school. Right. And there are some transitions that must happen in a timely manner. Right. And we got to that's a whole other episode for how right. we, you know, handle those moments. But but the idea being just sort of bigger picture than that in how we structure things for ourselves. Um I think it helps to look at it from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit, Erica, you spend a lot of time on social media. You have a huge Instagram presence. What impact does that have on you and your mental health? It's really interesting. Um, The answer now versus when I started would probably be two completely different things. When I started, I did everything by myself. Um, And I was also learning my boundaries and also how cool people could be. Like, I don't know. I, um, I can remember a few distinct times where posts would blow up or something would happen. And, uh, it's kind of like this hijacking moment where, oh, do, do I pull this down? Like, how do I process this? People are reacting in this way. And it would be all consuming at times. I think one, because the internet can be a nasty place. And two, because, I had never dealt with uh, 
I wouldn't even say feedback, but like criticism or people's opinions on that scale. And now like 375, almost 400,000 people who all have individual opinions. Um, what I would say that over time, what I would say has happened is that it's forced me to really know my values and be able to measure what people are saying up to my values and say, this is clearly just coming from their own perspective, mm-hmm. their own values in parenting or their own whatever. And that's not for me to take on, but that was a journey to get there. And one of the things that's helpful is I have an incredible team that now has bought me a little bit of distance from having to see every comment and, and every piece of feedback because you just cannot, you cannot survive and function with everybody being able to put their two cents into everything you do. It's just incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. 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 What about as far as following in your consumption of content online? Are there any ways that you've helped to curate that to support your mental load? Yeah. Um, I would say I used to spend a lot of time on social media, which is what sort of drew me to it as a platform because I enjoyed it so much. And I would say that my boundaries have become more and more, um, I say strict, but it's not strict. It's just more like I'm aware because if I'm scrolling and I follow a lot of other professionals and people who are doing big things in their lives and in the world. And if I'm scrolling and I'm feeling like, ugh, like I'm not doing enough, or mm-hmm. if, if it turns to a place of me not feeling good while I'm there, I will get out of there. Like I'm not in the headspace to take this in. I might jump ship to like TikTok and scroll like funny mom comedy videos or something. But I think that I've become very intentional in my consumption and aware of my reaction when I'm consuming. And if it's not serving me, it do- I will close it out. I will set a boundary. I will shift gears because mm-hmm. – I just cannot feed that, whether it's an insecurity in myself or just that like tiredness at the end of the day. Um, it's not self-care for me in that moment to continue down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Do you have any advice for women who have a hard time pulling themselves out of that loop and noticing when they're consuming content and just really time spent on their phone that is taking away rather than adding to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things is just becoming aware of how it's making you feel. Like, how are you feeling while you're doing this? And and you and I had talked in an episode on my podcast about taking a little bit of a mental inventory or a snippet of your thoughts in that moment. And for me personally, when it starts to not feel good, I'm usually comparing myself to others or seeing a standard or achievement or something that somebody is doing for themselves and then taking that on myself. And so I would say really becoming aware of how you feel. Back when I was home with babies postpartum, I had three young children at home, I would be a freaking disaster, not showered for however many days, covered in spit up, just like not my own independent human being, it felt like at that point, and see people out in the world doing things and just feel so envious, right? So if it's really triggering something and you were striking a nerve, that's a that's a sign to put some boundaries on it. And boundaries to me look like unfollowing accounts. Maybe it's just specific accounts that you follow that do that for you. 
Um, maybe it is turning off all notifications on the app so it can't pull you in every time something is happening. That's actually a standard rule that I live by. Like all notifications are turned off. If I'm going in the app, it's because I'm choosing to go in mm-hmm. to the app. Um, and others would be maybe like scheduling times when you can scroll and setting a timer on your phone and having uh, – even if you're going to doom scroll – because like that is, you know, what is happening or what you do. Set a timer. Only do it for 10 minutes. Don't do it for yeah. 60 and tank your night and how you're feeling, right? So finding some ways to set boundaries on that consumption as well can be really helpful. We're going to pause for a two-minute word from today's sponsors. Our first sponsor for today is EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze is my new laundry detergent that comes in eco sheets. It looks like dryer sheets, but they're not. They dissolve 100% in any wash cycle, hot or cold. It couldn't be easier. No measuring, no mess. Right now, we are working on a basement renovation, which means we have no washer and dryer, and we've been at the laundromat for the past few weeks. And more than ever, I'm appreciating my simple, mess-free laundry detergent. EarthBreeze has really made the whole concept of detergent better. Their packaging is compact, biodegradable, and plastic-free. And most important, you still get a powerful clean for your clothes. You won't really know until you try it. And if you don't like it, EarthBreeze will give you a full refund. You don't even have to send it back. So now's the time to try EarthBreeze. Because right now, my listeners can subscribe and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com simple to get started. That's earthbreeze.com simple for 40% off. earthbreeze.com simple. Our second and final sponsor for today is Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. The thing I love is that it's simple. They have great features such as Instant Match, where as soon as you sponsor a job post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed does the hard work for you. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. So visit indeed.com slash families to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash families. Indeed.com slash families. Terms and conditions apply and cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. There is a book called Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. Have you heard that? Heard of that book? No, I haven't. It's, a, it's such a great read. Um, I read it at the beginning of last year, and it talks just essentially how technology has stolen our ability to focus. And one of the things um, that he discusses is the endless scroll and how you can keep scrolling. And that's sort of a new technological feature that was added on in recent years, where it used to be you could see all of the new content and stop. Mm-hmm. However, with the endless scroll, it just keeps going. Um, but in the spring of last year, I scaled back on my social media and I unfollowed everyone on Instagram. And I found that there actually is the end. There is an end to the scroll. Mm. Um, so when I open up Instagram now, which I still have Instagram on my phone, but I don't follow anyone. So when I open it up, there's literally, I don't have a feed. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of this reminder to me where I'm like, oh, like, 
nothing to see here. Um, and that was really good for me to kind of get out of the habit. Now I have refollowed um, my husband and just like two or three other people who I'm close with in real life. Um, and what I do is I just look people up if I want to check in with them. You know, if I'm thinking right. like, I wonder, I wonder what Erica's up to. I'll just search you and look and read some of your recent stuff. I don't have to see it. No offense, but like, I don't need to see it right when you post it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can read it later. Like even if my posts are not making you feel good, if you see them and you feel inadequate or, or they spark mom guilt or they're not sitting well, unfollow me. Like it is okay yeah. because really um, it, it's not serving you right now. And I've had to do that with a lot of parenting accounts because like I will log on after trying to like wrestle, ninja wrestle these kids to bed in the evening and log on and be like, you shouldn't praise your kids. And I'm like, okay, praising my kids is the least of my freaking worries. I just had to like wrestle three children to bed, you know? And right. so, so there were just, and not, and many of these people are my friends and they're my colleagues. And it's not that I don't value and see value in the work that they do, but it's like in vulnerable moments when I'm looking to unwind, being reminded of how inadequate I am like, or that's how it feels. Right. It's not, it's not how I want to spend my leisure time. Right. Right. And the same goes for if you're scrolling and it's not educational accounts and it is the mom that you see that you think that you are not measuring up to in your friend group or the whatever, mute them then. You don't have to unfollow mm -hmm. them and create a fracture in the relationship, but you can still set boundaries on in the flow and the influx of of this material that you're taking in. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And for me, most of 2022 was spent sort of taking my life off the online world and back into real life. And I know for many of us, that's been the case is kind of easing back into the real world after the pandemic. And, you know, now I'm seeing clients in person more mm -hmm. than half of my week. And it's amazing how that in-person face-to-face interaction has really helped me help to support my own mental health. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how that transition for you has been sort of getting back out into the real world after, so I can't, I don't know if we can say after the pandemic or if we can ever say right, that, right. but what has that been like for you and your family? You know, what's so interesting is I don't know that I have done that because I worked in an in-person practice at uh, the start of 2020 before the pandemic hit. And then um, I was actually in the process of going out on my own as a therapist, like niching down in maternal mental health and went uh, virtual. And then I built out a virtual team and now I have a virtual platform and everything I do is from the desk that I'm sitting at yeah. pretty much. So, um, and then my husband and I joke because I also don't do pick up and drop off or, or leave the house a lot because um, when we came out of the pandemic or like things opened up a bit, I was getting recognized more. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how, but like all of the teachers at my children's school know about my platform and follow me online. And so if I'm like in my pajamas, <laughs> like a disaster dropping the kids off at like school, you know, school drop off line in the morning, there's just a, a different level of privacy that I crave. So, um, so I would say I haven't fully experienced that yet. Um, and I actually have to really plan and intentionally get out of my routine and my home space, which when I do, 
I greatly appreciate. And then I also feel exhausted after because lifeing and adulting out in the world is it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I think you should wear your pajamas in the pickup line so everyone (laughs) sees and says, wow, look, if Erica can wear her pajamas in the pickup line, so can I. (laughs) Right. It's so true. Or like I take the kids to birthday parties and the the audience is all around the age of my kids, right? So, and I love meeting people and it's so fun, but I actually don't think about Instagram and myself in that way. And then we'll be at birthday parties and people will be like, Erica. And I'm like searching their face. Like, are you a client? Do I know you? you (laughs) And and they're like, no, no, you don't know me. And I'm like, right. Instagram. That's a thing that (laughs) is in my life. Right. So yeah, it's changed things. Um, a little bit, but it is, it is uh, something I think I crave more of is that social interaction just in being with people with no real mm-hmm. agenda. Yeah. 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 And I think little by little and uh, the way that you described your world right now, I think is becoming more common and probably will exist in some way, shape or form, right? Working from home, um, really doing life online for the most part. Um, But yeah, I think all of us are going to have to work harder at carving out that in-person time with others and that human connection face-to-face because it's easier to do it on Zoom. Like my kids' conferences for school, those are mostly on Zoom now. Are you finding that things have shifted back in person for everything or it's still kind of a mix? Um, It's still kind of a mix and I feel like a lot of people still offer like hybrid options for Mm -hmm. school and and various other pieces. But I think that one of the things is really complicates for moms in particular, maybe even stay at home moms even more niched down is that um, making mom friends and finding social relationships that are very uh, like enriched is really difficult. Um, Whether things are virtual or whether just because of motherhood, you know, it can be so lonely and isolating. So I'll hear and I'll even chat with friends like, how do you, as like a early, mid-30s mom of three kids, make new mom friends? Like, how do we do that? Like in real life mom friends, because so many of my interactions specifically are online. Um, And so I've made a real point and like push for myself to go to the playdates with the kids, go to the birthday parties and meet other moms sort of around some of these events because it's kind of feels like dating a little bit where we've got to put ourselves out there and forge these new relationships where um, I feel like in young adulthood or early life, it just felt so much easier to establish new connections. Yeah. Well, I think back to when I was pregnant with my first, which would have been 10 years ago because he's nine. So almost 10 years ago. I started to establish my community of expectant moms through meetup.com. I don't even know if meetup is still around. I think it is, but yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that we had an expectant mom meetup and we would meet at the mall and when we were pregnant and walk the mall and um, because it was so hot in the summer in Texas. Um, But that was really where we connected. But at that time, that that was just a place for us to all find each other's contact information, essentially, and plan an event, an in-person event. So we had to go out in public to socialize and to grow community versus now, I think if I was expecting in, I was tired and, you know, not feeling great, I probably would just want to lay in my bed and do it 
virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it 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 probably takes a lot more effort and maybe even more discomfort discomfort to put ourselves out there in a way when it is so available for us online. And it really can fill up our cup in many, many ways to have that community online too. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think that it, the, the stage of motherhood that you're in really uh, plays a factor, right? Like plays a role in that. I think about the moms that I heard from during the pandemic that were so incredibly isolated and alone, not even from just like friends and things, but even from like support from families. And there was a lot of not knowing what the boundaries and rules should be and who can come and support and who can't. And so coming out of that time, um, I've also heard from people that relationships that were intact had have now got wedges because there's just been so much time so much life has happened in between that it feels sort of uncomfortable to just restrike some of those relationships back up so I think that like virtual definitely serves a role like we've got uh, one-on-one virtual therapists and, and groups and supports especially for those early stages of motherhood where it's next to impossible to get out of the house right. anyways right yeah. but then also thinking about the skills to like put ourselves out there and like a speed date connect with some moms right. like how do we yep. do that you know and that's a whole other set of skills to to kind of flex and and build those muscles I would say yeah, absolutely. I I think that, you know, meeting new mom friends and just sort of establishing a group of friends as you get older, it's tricky because then you kind of befriend the kids that you're the parents of the kids that your kids are friends with. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily it's not always necessarily the people that you would naturally connect with yes. as much either. So um yeah, it's it's definitely a shift. I feel like our kind of circle of friends has shifted a lot as our kids have grown and moved schools and um, changed activities and that kind of thing. And that's it's kind of nice to have new circles and meet new faces. And, you know, we've moved a lot as a family. We've moved like four or five times um, so that, you know, we have a lot of circles of people all over the country. And mm. It's a nice, it's nice to be able to still feel like we're in community with these people that we don't necessarily see very often. Mm-hmm. And so. I would say we have different friends that serve, not different purposes, because that makes people sound like objects, but like functions or like relationships, mm-hmm. they have different meanings um, and meet different needs for us, right? So like the group of friends around our children and their play dates, there is a lot of um, acknowledgement and feeling seen that can come from having community where their friends, your their kids are at the same age as your kids and like the sleepless nights and then maybe yeah. trying to establish feeding and the like they get it. And so there's a real like camaraderie or even commiserating that can right. be shared in during that time versus a friend that you would pour your heart out to that you've got like a depth of knowing with them serves a little bit of a different need, you know, fills, fills your cup in a different way. And so I think that having a variety of people that show up differently for you and vice versa is super healthy for us to be able to diversify in that way. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's been so great talking to you today, Erica. Where can we find you online? Thank you so much. I am on Instagram at momwell and 
I've got our virtual platform, momwell.com, that has all kinds of free self-paced resources. We have a whole learning hub and center where you can look by category or topic or you know issue that you might be struggling with in motherhood. And we've got therapists all over Canada and the U.S. supporting moms in their adjustment to their new role. So that's momwell.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Erica. If you want to get in touch with her and learn more about her work, you can go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 342 to get all the links to the things that we talked about today. You can also find her, her podcast, and her social media platforms at MomWell. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you being here.